shit, shit, shit show. It's a fucking shit show. Shit show. Welcome back to Shit Show Saturday. Ahoy, my shittiest of the shit shows. So today I am playing a recording from uh, a recent Patreon group from this past Thursday. I like to do these periodically so that you guys can see what the hell is going on in this community. We got people from, you know, as early as mid-20s to mid-70s all across the world, all different backgrounds, all bonding over this shared connection of being adult children and of being shit shows. And I know that there are so many of you who have been wanting to join, but have not yet joined. And I really just want to emphasize what Adam talked about in uh, the episode this week about the importance of community. And also what I always say, this is relational trauma, which means the healing requires healthy uh, and safe relationships. And this is a community where you can find that. I promise that you will feel heard, seen, and understood like never before. To the person listening right now who feels like they don't have anybody in their life who understands uh, the way that they think, feel, and behave, well, guess what? There is a group of people who understand exactly why you do say, and behave in the ways that you do, because we fucking do it too. So how about we just do this, folks, okay? How about you just do it? They say that I should damn the joint Patreon. They said that that's where people go to heal. They say that I'll feel seen and heard. Like I have never failed before So I am going to damn the joint right now The critical inner voice is the part of us that judges others and ourselves harshly. As children in dysfunctional homes, many of us took on difficult family responsibilities that should not have been our burdens to carry. We were then criticized for not doing things right. This led us to become hard on ourselves whenever we thought we made mistakes, developing our own critical voice that started playing in our heads. And that led us to apologize for things that were out of our control. As we recover in ACA, we work to replace this critical inner voice that becomes so ingrained in us with a new loving voice that nurtures and supports us When we take our personal inventory on a daily basis, we learn to sort out what really is ours versus what has nothing to do with us. We learn to set healthy boundaries, asking our higher power for strength to continue this healing journey. It takes patient and time to cultivate this loving voice, which is our loving inner parent. We find strength and hope when we listen to other ACAs as we follow a new path where we replace the negative with the positive in all aspects of daily recovery. We become more independent and able to trust our own decisions. On this day, I take responsibility for myself. I give myself positive messages and feel comfort knowing that my higher power is with me at all times. So as I said in the chat, I had a really, really amazing date. I really just felt like he... um, 
I felt like he sees me in the way that all of you guys see me, which felt like really good. And um, one thing that I thought was really cool too, is I, as I shared that he had listened to like one of the episodes of the podcast, he said, I decided that I'm not going to listen to any more of it because I want to get to know you through you and not through your podcast. Um, I, I just felt like I was really able to like show up as myself. It was like intimacy, but like an appropriate level of intimacy. And I don't know, it just, it just felt like really good. But like, what comes up for me is, you know, when I said like, what is that inner, like that voice, like, what is the loudest message that we hear? And for me, it is, I will always be abandoned. I will always be abandoned. And so regardless of what happens with this, and he's taking me out tomorrow night, like, this is such a beautiful opportunity for me to continue to heal. And so, yeah, it's, so I told my, my therapist too, it's like, it's balancing, like, who I think it was Sharice that said it, like, I deserve to have like a, like a good date, you know, like I deserve to, to have a good date and I deserve to like have fun in this experience and I deserve to feel like happy about it. But then also too, it's like just keeping myself in check. Right. And like, here's the big thing too, like continue to gather information and I need to just keep my heart guarded and, um, and, and try to, go about this differently. So um, that's where I'm at. And thank you guys for just all of your love and support. And because of the way that you guys lift me up, like I'm able to show up differently. And because of the way that you guys see me and reflect that back to me, I'm able to show up in the world differently. And I'm just so incredibly grateful for, for each and every one of you. So go ahead, Mike. Um, last meeting, Chris gave me some homework. I'll get to that in a minute. As far as today's reading, and I apologize, there's there's two things that come to mind. And the the critical parent and the the loudest voice is I'm selfish and I'm lazy, which I learned laziness, quote unquote laziness, because I was taught that if something wasn't done perfect it wasn't worth doing at all so i just gave up um and that turned into laziness the other thing that comes into play is and i don't know if other people will be able to relate to this not only the critical parent critical societal norms you're supposed to look this way. You're supposed to act this way. If you're not doing this, you're lazy. Mm -hmm. If you're not doing this, you're worthless. Blah, 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 blah. All of that feeds into and combines with the critical pen, and it, it just creates a mess. Um, I did purchase... Um, for those that went here last the last meeting, I basically bottom line, I referred to myself as ugly. I think I'm worthless and I think I'm mentally ill. And those are the three main things, the main ways I see myself and my main self-image. So I've been doing a lot of soul searching on this. I created a giant spreadsheet and all that stuff. Um and with the help of my therapist today, I, I think I honed in on my new self-image. 
I'm courageous, I'm intelligent, and I forgot the third one. Oh, creative. Um, so that's my new self-image. And my therapist has had me do stuff like this before, but what you guys all said after, after that last meeting, nobody's ever said that to me before. Nobody's, nobody's outright said that they, they accept me for who I am. And I just, I don't want to approach life from the victim mentality anymore. Seeing myself as ugly and worthless and mentally ill is a victim mentality. It's a victim mindset. And I'm changing that. And I have all of you to thank for it. So I'm rambling on. Thank you. Well, I hate to break it to you, Mike. We're all fucking mentally ill, so. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. And, and like, that's what I said. <laughs> it's like, I, I can't say I'm not mentally ill, but I can't let it affect me. I, I have it as a badge of honor. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's all on how you see it. Mm-hmm. it. It's all on how you see the labels. And mm-hmm. as far as ugly, I look differently from other people. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm ugly now because I see ugly in personality traits and not surface level. Mm-hmm. Ugly is racist. Ugly is just mean and and and, and belligerent and that's ugly. Mm-hmm. I just look different from everybody else and that makes me unique. So I have all of you to thank, thank especially you, Andrea. Thanks, Mike. Um, before Chris goes, I just want to say that I gave out this homework assignment on this question earlier today, and you guys all have a fucking inner critical parent, so there should be a lot more hands raised. Go ahead, Chris. <clears throat> well, God, it's like, how powerful can these fucking meetings be? I'm like, you know, wiping the tears away. Oh, um, I don't even, I don't even know where to begin. So I just need for Andrea, I need to get like, I feel like I need to get a little sign that says, amen, amen. Cause I'm exactly in the same place. And, and, and everything that I was going to say to Mike, you already did. Cause I'm like, yeah, I'm mentally ill. Like, but I've seen that. I see that as my badge of courage because I remember one time there was this girl that was very bereft about, I just wanted to be normal. And I was like, bitch, I never shot for normal. Normal was boring. Like, you know, I'm, it made me colorful, I thought. Anyway, um, I'm in the 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 same spot that you are, only I'm like three months into it. So um the fact that I mean the the inner critic shit of I'm not enough, I'm not enough, I'm unlovable, like that was the I had no idea that that was sort of the the tape that was on a loop and uh armed with that information you know, what my, my sponsor would, would have, would say to me is that, you know, I came from broken people that weren't enough. And so they weren't enough. So I was never going to be enough. And, uh, she would, she would say to me in a way that I sort of have kept this where I would take a deep breath and I'd think I'm enough and I'm okay. I'm enough and I'm okay. And it's sort of like when I get a little scared, cause that's what basically happens. I'm frightened of everything. And, you know, so when I get a little scared, I just have to take a breath and go, I'm okay, I'm enough. So um, I have been uh, having a a relationship that I've never had before. 
um, you know, where uh, we, you know, talk about, you know, he said to me the other night, this has never worked out for me before. So what happens when this goes away and talking about, um, you know, and then I, I addressed what my fears were. And it's like, you know, when I don't hear from you, um, you know, I feel like, oh, he doesn't like me anymore. You know, and then again, I have to do that. I'm enough. I'm okay. But I mean, to talk about your actual fears with someone and to talk about um, the unpacking of, you know, like he's uh, started going to, um, it's uh, SLAA. So, cause he was like, oh, I'm going to go to SLAA. And I'm like, you're not going to like kid me. And I'm going to like kidnap me. And I'm going to go to like, you know, rob a bank. I thought it was the SLA, you know, like with Patty Hearst wrong group, but, um, <laughs> but, um, you know, and then he was like, I'm a sexual anorexic. And I'm like, and I looked at him and I go, and I'm a intimacy anorexic because this has never worked out for me. And as, as emotionally unattached, as what I would manifest, I was equally as emotionally unattached. But the fact that like to have these conversations with somebody that I've let, I've known, you know, less than, I don't know, three months, I think. I don't even, I don't, I don't know what the time frame is, but um, like I have not heard from him today, but I know that he went to Disneyland with a friend of his and this and that. And it, it, it you know, I, it sort of bothers me at some point, but he's so like deliciously, neurodivergent where he probably thinks he's texted me because that's what happens. He's like, Oh, like, you know, so the day that I told him the night that I said, you know, I'm, you know, when you don't text me, I'm afraid that, you know, you're off into the sunset and this is, this is done. I didn't hear from him for the entire next day. Right. And which I finally called him at like 8 PM and I'm like, so, uh, you okay. And he was like, yeah, why? And I go, because I haven't heard from you all day. And he was like, oh, my God. He goes, I didn't text you this morning. So it it, uh, it it's it's sort of a, a, a lesson in patience for me. Like, bef like before our third date, Shit Show Shelly had to pray with me. Like I was like hyperventilating, like, oh, you know, like because this has never worked out for me. Like this is all new you know, behavior. So I just, I'm like, we have a date tomorrow night. Like if I don't talk to him, he's at fucking Disneyland. You're, you're enough and you're okay. And all of that programming of all of that bullshit that I went through, I'm armed with the information of what my fucking problems were. Like I've got the common denominator of, oh, well it happened here at this point in my life, which caused this arc. So, um, and then quickly to touch on on uh, Mike, I am honored to be in your realm and to see that you jump into the work so quickly. And the fact that you made a fucking spreadsheet, I was like, that's way beyond my scope. Like, you know, I was like, it's just an honor. So um, I'm glad that we can lift all each other up and 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 really see and talk about what I see in you and, you know, and it like shit show Shelly and I did this with each other and it made me uncomfortable when she said how amazing I was, by the way. But, um, you know, because I don't, I don't know how to handle a compliment. I was never complimented. So anyway, we're a bunch of fucking shit shows and I love being here. That's all I got. Hi. Um, 
So yeah, I I noticed that today I had a day where I was uh, really having a lot of mean thoughts about other people, really overly critical and mostly to about my employees, for being honest, like just really irritated at all these things. And um, so as you're talking and I'm going, okay, we're supposed to answer this thing about this mean inner critical voice, which I definitely have, especially towards myself. I went back and reread it and the header is that part of us that judges others and ourselves harshly. And I'm realizing, oh yeah, like maybe I need to be a little, fortunately I did a good job. Um, I got some really good advice in Al-Anon about um, being quiet, you know, that I don't have to say everything that I think and that sometimes it's helpful if I wait to say it, um, to see if it really needs to be said. And so, yeah, I grew up with a lot of negative messages from my mom about myself, you know, that if I wasn't skinny enough or slutty looking enough or, you know, whatever, that I wasn't okay. And I have a hard time not being overly harsh and critical of myself constantly, you know, as a, like, as a person, as a mom, as a business person, like all these things that I think oh, I should just be perfect and never screw up. And um, so today's reading was really good at reminding me that I'm allowed to be human, allowed to like make mistakes and not get everything done and that I'm allowed to stop and take care of myself and lay on my back if I need to instead of working myself crazy. And um, probably the biggest thing out of tonight is that yeah, maybe some of that stuff that I learned growing up from my mom is that negative voice is coming out in my being overly critical or expecting perfection out of my employees. And that's probably not a great way to keep employees. So, you know, I need to take a look at that and decide, you know, okay, how do I start to um, be kinder to everybody. And I, and really I am pretty kind. I'm not, you know, I do a good job of being okay to other people. I'm not always okay to myself, but I need to be kind to myself. I don't know if any of my jumbled mess made any sense, but it was a great reading today. I read it several times and I really appreciate that, um, that it was the one you shared today. So thank you. Well, let's see, I guess, uh, I've been doing a lot of um, running through my dysfunctional childhood over the last year. And I realized that like a big thing that I carry with me just all the time is a feeling of, of shame, like, you know, feeling really bad for things that aren't my fault. And I kind of made the connection this week. Cause I have been like many of you, um, I don't remember a whole lot of my childhood, I think just because I was so like scared for most of it. Um, my dad is a, is a narcissist and um, he's just, I mean, it was, you couldn't please the guy at all. I mean, like nothing I did was ever, ever good enough. And um, I was only noticed in a positive way if I was performing, you know, like a dancing bear or something. It's like, oh, she's, you know, she's going to play the viola now or she got a good grade in school. But if I was just me, then that was totally not, 
you know, not acceptable. And it was usually pretty like shameful, but I made the connection this week. Like I've been remembering things from my childhood and, um, my, I remembered an incident like where we went to the beach when I was a little kid and my dad was the only, um, adult there supervising. And I got a horrible sunburn. I mean, like second degree sunburn blisters. I couldn't wear clothes. (laughs) You know, I mean, it was just horrible, horrible, super painful. And he was like, Oh God, you're so stupid. You know, why did you, why did you do that? It's like, I was a fucking child. Like, how would I know to put on sunscreen, you know, but like that kind of thing being blamed for things that were clearly not my fault. Um, I don't know. It just, it, I really made the connection like, Oh, that's where this feeling of just being like bad for being alive comes from, you know, cause I was just blamed for things that I couldn't possibly know. Um, so I don't know, that felt like kind of a breakthrough, but, uh, yeah, it's amazing how much, a you know, dysfunctional parent can really F you up for life. <laughs> with all these, like your, your, uh, I don't know, installed, you know, default program is just shame. I suck. I'm bad. And like, it really took, um, I mean, I'm like 52 and, uh, I've been just like running on this hamster wheel for my entire life, like trying to get, you know, trying to achieve enough so that my dad will love me. I mean, I think it is, or someone will love me. I, a couple years ago, married the most wonderful man. He's amazing. And I'm a total unicorn because I got married for the first time at age 50. And I married, he's handsome. He's smart. He's like awesome. And I kind of realized I made it to the top of my hamster wheel, but I still don't feel good enough. Like I have like the new water bottle. I have like the newest model of this and that, but I'm still not good enough. So anyway, it's, yeah. So that's my share. Thank you. Hi everybody. So I am really happy to hear about your guys' dates. Um, And it gives me hope and joy. And I'm very happy for you. And this whole group gives me a lot of hope and joy. And it's good to see your faces every Thursday. Um, I remember this past year, like when I had pretty much hit bottom, I was looking at dresses online and I found a dress that I really liked. And I actually like heard the voice in my head because I'm mentally ill. And it said to me, oh, you, you don't deserve a nice dress. And I was like, huh, normally it was just a feeling like I would just feel bad about myself and I wouldn't know why. And it would be very vague. And it was kind of a little weird turning point when I heard the voice tell me like that I didn't deserve to have anything nice. Um, And I guess that kind of makes sense. Like, I know somebody mentioned that they have trouble with compliments and I'm sure that you're not the only one. (laughs) 
Um, I do. And I'm also afraid of being fired. Like I, I win awards and I get great reviews and I have a good rapport with my patients and, um, like, I still don't believe them, you know, that I would deserve any kind of recognition or anything like that. But, um, it's really been really helpful to work on it. Like now that I actually heard what it was saying to me, because when I was a little kid, if you like made a need known, um, I was always told, oh, well, you must think you're special. So that's the voice that I carried into adulthood. I can so much relate to this. Um, I've lived my life. Um, I mean, my dad used to call me empty head because, you know, I was kind of stupid in school. And not because I was stupid, but because, you know, I had so many emotional problems living in a chaotic home. So I'd go to school and I'd have like ADHD and I wouldn't study and suddenly I'm stupid. And my dad, um, he's really smart. I mean, he, he has a PhD. It was just so demeaning to grow up like that and being bullied and everything like that. So fast forward to an adult, my adult life. And, you know, I, I'm a, such a hard worker and I turn out to be actually pretty smart. And so I just do really well. I mean, like I've done really well in my career. But deep down, I still struggle with thinking I'm stupid. You know, it's like that message that I have. I'm not enough and I'm stupid. And just today I was in a meeting and, and you know, I'm pretty high up in my company. So, you know, it's and I can have an ego. I can I can make things happen. But I, I was in the process of making things happen. And it's uh, with a global company. And I'm talking and I'm realizing 10 people are listening to me. And I'm like suddenly getting really insecure. It just pops up. You know, it's like I can I can totally fake it and kind of do well. And then all of a sudden, like this feeling of shame, like, oh my God, I'm not explaining myself very well, or I'm being too aggressive, or I'm not being aggressive enough or whatever. And of course people come in and pipe in and they sound so much better than I do. And it's just all that stupid, that feeling of being stupid keeps coming back. And I just like, oh my God, you know, when is that ever going to go away? Because I'm not stupid. I mean, I'm definitely not. But I still feel that way. It still tugs at me. Um, and then the other issue that comes up with me is because I wasn't allowed to be stupid when I was young. You know, we spill our Kool-Aid and we get yelled at or anything we did, we get yelled at. So now when people don't meet my high expectations, I think they're stupid. So I almost become like my dad, you know. And the reality is, you know, because I wasn't allowed to make a mistake, I kind of view it that way. So I can get real critical I'm much, much, much better, but I can get really critical when customer service doesn't go the way I want. You know, I can get really impatient because I think everyone's an idiot or whatever. And, you know, it's like, I hate that. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to think like that. But I was just programmed so early on to think in such a, I don't know, such a real critical way. So anyway, it's a long process. I'm getting a lot, lot better. But it's taken a long time for the real me to come out of hiding, you know, and um, I have to keep reminding myself because it's going to be a long journey, you know, because I didn't get the accolades growing up. I did feel stupid. I did feel unwanted. And, uh, you know, I can totally relate to the whole concept of, um, you know, when I married my husband, you know, I did all the work. I mean, he was basically living off of my salary. And to me, it was easier that way because I, he couldn't leave me. You know, in a way, I felt like if I'm superwoman, he's not going to leave me because he has it made in the shade. And that's just not the way I wanted to operate. You know, that's just my insecurity. So anyway, um, just appreciate it. One of the things I really struggle with in recovery is talking about how I feel 
Um, my parents were just so good at making us feel like you can't tell anybody, you know, you cannot tell anybody how things are at home. You can't tell your teachers. And what's even scarier about that is like uh, the adults in my life, like there were pretty clear signs of like physical abuse. And um, my teachers, counselors, nobody ever did anything about it. And so I think it kind of left me with this feeling of like, it doesn't really matter how miserable you are or how bad things are. Um, life is just going to happen to you. So it kind of left me feeling helpless and very, very isolated as a child. And even now still as an adult. And um, I'd say the other main theme that follows me is like feeling like a burden. Like my mother was exceedingly angry with us if she wasn't like passed out drunk on the couch. And so I, it always made me feel like, you know, having to do very basic things you need to do for, you know, yourself are frustrating and they're a waste of time and that it's really, really hard to take care of yourself. And it's honestly just not something that's worth it. And that's not something my mom modeled for us. Like she didn't take care of herself and she didn't take care of us. She basically was like a potato. So she left us feeling a lot like, you know, taking care of yourself is just a waste of your time. You know, uh, feeling your feelings is just too much and talking about it's too much. Getting help is too much. Just, you know, whatever, just lay on the couch, take a nap. And uh, it, it, it really screwed me up. And it's something like I have to force myself to sometimes listen to this podcast or join this meeting and uh, just do basic things to help myself in life. And that's kind of sad. Anyway, that's just some thoughts. I literally have like a whole list here of things that like followed me through my life that my parents taught me. Well, that wraps up Shit Show Saturday. As always, sign up for the Patreon. That is where I host weekly support groups. And it's where you say thanks, Andrea, for all that you do. Patreon.com slash adult child. Follow me on TikTok and Instagram at adult child pod and give me a damn five star rating on Apple and Spotify. And I will see y'all shit shows on Wednesday. Bye. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.